0: good morning baseball fans and welcome to episode five of the morning round trip podcast for july 11th my name is drew frank joined by liam crothers hello and good morning Good morning to you too, and we've got some interesting stuff to cover today, but we'll start out with the COVID update. You know, it's going to work its way into just about every podcast we do, so might as well go right off the top. We got some updated numbers in terms of their monitoring tests, and 5,300 new test results came in at a rate well below 0.1% positive. And so when you combine that with the previous results we had, the monitoring phase results are at a mere 0.2% positive. So I think it's hard to be anything except happy with these numbers because that's well below the rate of the population. And it's showing that there really hasn't been a spike by putting all these people from around the world in these confined camps. They've managed to do it successfully so far.
1: And this is good news. You know, maybe a week ago, we were a little less optimistic with the numbers that we were seeing and and the way that it looked for an upcoming season. We were almost pessimistically talking about COVID and the way that it was going to impact the season. And I think that these numbers coming in, regardless of if you're a fan or if you're a player, this is what you like to see. Now, obviously, these numbers aren't going to spur everybody to play. There are always going to be people who are erring on the side of caution in situations like these. I do commend the MLB for the way that they went about testing all these players and their handling of the cases for the most part, which we'll get to in a second, but these numbers are great if you're a baseball fan because I think that this is well below the population average in the United States, and this means that baseball more than likely is going to happen.
0: And I'm the most optimistic with these results that I think I've been since February or March. Yeah, because definitely. At this point, it seems like there won't be a league widespread where the numbers are too overwhelming and they have to cancel it, at least from what we've seen so far. And I think what would bring the league down now would be if there was an insane outbreak with one specific team and there were 15 to 20 cases and the team had to stop playing and the league was halted or something like that. But without that happening, it seems like we will actually get All 60 games in maybe and we'll see if traveling complicates things because the Washington Post reported that the MLB already has had trouble with traveling when they flew a charter of 160 Dominican players into North America. They flew them into Miami. Because, obviously, international travel is a little bit tough right now. So, to get all the Dominican players ready and actually on location at camp, they took a charter plane, as I said, 160 Dominican players, and they didn't administer any tests before or after the flight. As a result, there have been multiple positive cases. Now, the exact number of how many people were infected on the plane is unclear but multiple people around the game believe, as I said, there were at least a few players infected as a result of MLB's choice to not screen these players, not test these players, and it looked bad, and I still think you can say it does look bad, but the MLB quickly came out and explained themselves, first off saying that no one else was forced to take tests before flying in, anyone that was able to fly in on their own accords wasn't forced to take tests. So this was for better or for worse in line with the rest of the league. And then they went on to say that tests are hard to come by in the Dominican Republic because they're struggling a lot more. They wouldn't want to take them away. And and the statement said that shipping saliva samples from the Dominican Republic to the U.S. was not possible due to governmental reasons. So basically saying they had no way to put tests into the Dominican. And then they released a full statement saying testing 160 asymptomatic players in the Dominican Republic would have diverted substantial resources away from the Dominican healthcare system where the availability of laboratory equipment is scarce and would have required an exception to the country's criteria for testing, which was not something we were prepared to do.
1: I think that the MLB does not deserve to be looked at here as the bad guy. As clearly stated, there are several reasons why these players were not able to be tested before getting on the plane that made its way to the United States. If you're the Dominican or United States government, you don't want to ship anything that you don't have to between each other, regardless of if that's food, water, you know, or COVID tests, because these tests are done in glass vials, and if those vials break and the sample that you're looking at happens to be COVID positive that's another outbreak, and that's things getting much worse. And in the case for the Dominican Republic, that wasn't something that they were comfortable doing, and neither in the United States were the numbers are the highest that we see in the world. I do think that the way the MLB decided to deal with this issue once those Dominican players were in the United States is a little bit curious. I think that in in Canada, There's the rule of if you come in from a foreign country, you spend two weeks in self-isolation and wait for the asymptomatic COVID to wear off if no symptoms are present. I'm surprised that they didn't decide to put them all into a hotel on that sweet, sweet MLB paycheck and make sure that these guys had cleared everything up before allowing them to traverse the country and make their way to their practice facilities. Again, I don't think the MLB is entirely at fault here. I think they did probably the best thing that they could do given the circumstances in the, in the Dominican and on home soil. But I am surprised that there weren't more precautions taken once things were finally in their control.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty weak that they didn't test them. When they landed in Miami, I mean, you you flew you're flying them in, not the hardest to say. Okay, we're gonna take a day or two or three and figure this out. Make sure we're taking the safest approach here. And the one thing that threw me off, but the response is saying that this isn't abnormal. Nobody was forced to take tests when they flew into the country. And my question is why? I mean, I'm not sure why they wouldn't enforce something like that and say. You know, if you enter the country, how but you don't report to camp until you test negative and we can prove that we're all going to be okay here and, and, and keep things safe. But either way, it seems maybe there were a few infected, but it wasn't uh, as bad as it could have been. We've got a couple players that have elected to opt out, Buster Posey and Michael Kopek of the Giants and White Sox respectively. Posey, as of July 4th, there was a report from the San Francisco Chronicle saying he was still in camp, but he might opt out. And he released a quote that I think is pretty interesting. He said, people are not necessarily seeing eye to eye on how this disease is going to progress and has progressed. Ultimately, I still feel there are unknowns and hopefully we'll have more solid answers here as the medicine makes advances. I don't think that any player needs to publicly voice their reason for opting out. I don't think they need to have a reason at all. Just a personal decision. But we found out that Buster Posey has recently adopted two premature twins just this past Thursday. And he said that he couldn't take the health risk I. Think you'd be crazy if you're gonna try and fault Posey at all for any of this for opting out. I think, but it makes complete sense. I think there's no reason for him to go play on a Giants team that's gonna get 14 wins if he's gonna be worried about, you know, risks at home. And I really don't think there's too much to dive into in this case.
1: No, for sure. Uh, Again, another situation like we've seen where a guy who. Has already made his money who's playing on a team that isn't going to do particularly well and who has circumstances like this at home now a guy like mike trout obviously we talked about uh, he's got a daughter on the way and he's unsure about taking the risk but buster posey at home has four children all under the age of 10 i agree with what you said about how players shouldn't have to voice their reasoning for this i think it should be something entirely personal that people should just come to accept because of the times that we live in and people wanting to be as cautious as they can be but Posey I think has one of the strongest cases for opting out not that he needed a strong case regardless.
0: Yeah and I think the reason there's not too much to dive into here is the Giants in 2020 are expected to be irrelevant you know not competing in that west not competing for a wild card spot but the other player Michael Kopech I think there's a lot more here because the White Sox, we mentioned in our last episode, we expect them to be very competitive for a wild card spot, potentially if the cards fall in the right way, potentially in that battle atop the American League Central. And his case is a little different because it's actually baseball related. So the the three prongs reason is basically he doesn't want to do any damage to his arm in the short season first off he said that he didn't think he'd be ready to begin the season on time as he was still recovering from tommy john surgery as a result with a shorter camp a shorter season he didn't want to ramp up too quickly and cause any more problems so if he waits until next year he can control his rehab without the time crunch without the rush i think this also makes complete sense i think if you're a white Sox fan you're disappointed Because this is a guy, he's pitched 14 and a third career innings. And, you know, this would be his third year on their 40-man roster. He debuted in 2018. But they still have six starters. You know, it's not like the Red Sox where we looked at, okay, they don't have Eduardo Rodriguez. (laughs) What? Who's next? I guess maybe Brian Johnson. Because if we look on this roster, you know is going to be their ace. They signed Keichel. You know, he's going to be their two or three guy. Ronaldo Lopez, okay. He's kind of all over the place, but he showed flashes. Dylan Cease, I think he's got to be in the rotation this year. You sign Gio Gonzalez. I'm not sure how much he's got left, but he can pitch for sure. And I put him above a, a tier, like the guys we were mentioning, Ryan Weber and a few of the 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 Red Sox names. Got Carlos Rodon as well as another you know, volatile young arm, that's six pitchers right there, and they they still have options to compete in the rotation.
1: I think the White Sox are definitely in a better position than the Red Sox could even wish to be in. You know, if this was Giolito going down, maybe the story's a little bit different. But if we want to talk purely about Kopech and, you know, his decision to opt out of the season, you know, that, that belief that you aren't ready, is so much more important than anything a doctor could ever tell you. I mean, Yogi Berra famously once said, baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. Right. You know, just if the mind isn't there and you aren't ready to go out there and throw cheddar like Kopech is capable of doing and likes to do consistently, I don't think there's any reason to go out there and potentially risk injury through 25 games of the season and set yourself back another year, maybe even two, Giolito Keikel is a very formidable one-two punch still in the case for the White Sox. They're definitely gonna be a team that looks to make some noise. And if we see the MLB go with a eight-team playoff, as as we discussed earlier, I think the White Sox still have a very good chance to find their way in there. But I understand why Kopeck would be cautious about starting the season, because you know, he's got his he's he really does have everything in front of him. You know, his his best years are yet to come. And, uh, we've seen Tommy John surgeries derail so many young pitchers careers, guys who are even in the prime of their careers go down because, you know, you need that really career altering surgery. So I think this is a good decision by Kopech. And I think the White Sox are going to be fine.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, you, you throw away 12 or 15 starts this season so that you can make a full 30 starts, hopefully next season. I, I think that makes sense. I think a guy, Who's still recovering? I mean, take the time to recover. And I, I, I think again, both both cases of the opt-outs pretty open and shut, in my opinion. We've got two interesting quotes from a couple third basemen in the American League West to get to. So the first one comes from Anthony Rendon on the topic of fake crowd noise. And they practice with it at the Angels practice and workouts this week. And he says, I think it was stupid. It's like if you're smelling a pizza. But you're seeing a hamburger. <laughs> I mean, I, I <laughs> that's great. Yeah,
1: a great quote. That's all time.
0: <laughs> we've seen various opinions from players, whether they like it, whether they don't. I think it's interesting too because you can have it generated in house. You can. We've seen a couple places in other sports and other sports leagues generate it on the broadcast and have it toggleable on certain internet streams, where you can have it with crowd noise, have it without crowd noise. I think it's going to be interesting with with what they do here. Do you have a preference when it comes to crowd noise?
1: Um. Personally, I would prefer to see crowd noise be something optional, much like NBC has done with their productions of the Premier League in European football. The TV broadcast features the crowd noise, and you have the option of going online to the app or streaming it without the crowd noise now. Baseball is a little bit different because in European football, the nuances of the game and the conversations that the players have are a lot different. Tactically, things are executed in a very, very different ways. Another thing for the players is that, you know, they didn't consent to be essentially recorded yeah. uh, as in-depth as, as it would be with no crowd noise because, you know, a player, he's allowed to walk back to his dugout and, you know, blow up at himself or... So I mean, we saw last season that highlight circulated uh, when that Phillies fan was shouting at Bryce Harper saying that he was overrated and they paid him too much money. He drops an F-bomb in there. You know, that's essentially what the players don't want to have happen. Bryce Harper never consented to that man recording him, but he's at a game and he understands that he's responsible for his actions. Players don't want to have to walk on eggshells. They want to be able to play their game, especially with how different things are. They want as much comfortability as possible. And I think that, you know, these players being worried about being recorded about being questioned about it after the game about seeing things on social media about them i understand why they would want the crowd noise personally i would prefer it without but if the players are you know adamant about preserving their privacy as best they can i can understand the crowd noise
0: another quote comes from matt chapman not on the topic of crowd noise but just on the general idea of not having fans in the seats this
1: this one's a little interesting to me this one's very interesting
0: He says, I think it's going to play to our advantage. A lot of our games are pretty quiet in general. We're used to not having too many fans at the games. I don't know why you make this statement.
1: (laughs) I don't either, man. I don't either. uh, Matt Chapman is uh, part of the stellar corner infield that the Oakland Athletics will inevitably not be able to pay for in a couple of years, and they will find success elsewhere. But as of right now, they do play for the Oakland Athletics, and I thought this was weird because maybe this is a little tongue-in-cheek, maybe, you know, it's different reading it on paper than, you know, him saying it. I think, you know, it's intended with a little bit of humor, but I could understand a, a Miami Marlins player saying this. The Oakland Athletics are 23rd in 2019 in terms of attendance, and I think that... Regardless of how many people show up, they have one of the most passionate fan bases in the MLB and one of the loudest as well. It sounds like a soccer match uh, throughout the duration of a nine inning game. And it's it's honestly pretty impressive when the A's are playing well because they nearly pack a, a football stadium with fans and they're loud throughout the entire game. I don't understand this quote if you're Chapman. Unless, of course, you know, you you say it in jest and you don't mean it to mean anything. And I'm going to think that he's saying it not to mean anything. But, you know, I don't think there's any really any need to make this quote in the first place.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a quote in early July summer camp. I don't think this will really lead to too much at all. But just just a throwaway. I'm not not sure really. There wasn't too much context. It just kind of got some traction on Twitter Hey, I I don't know. Maybe there's something else going on here. The last couple pieces of news we're going to get to before we sign off for the morning. The Blue Jays announced Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be sliding across the diamond and playing first base in DH for the future. Last year in his rookie season, we saw him tied for the worst outs above average. That's a defensive metric. in the entire MLB out of all infielders. He had a negative 16. The next worst third baseman, negative six ouch so he was by far the worst and they decide to call it quits there apparently he's more comfortable at first base they've got a couple weeks now to work before games start mattering so he's gonna make the slide over there the other quick note is that the mlb released their 2020 schedule this week but they also released their 2021 schedule Most interesting series on the docket is going to be Mets versus Yankees on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, intentionally putting the two New York teams against each other. They're also going to be playing on the 4th of July weekends. Not really too much else new about the schedule announcement. Usually it's a pretty tame announcement come summertime each year, but if you're looking to plan a road trip and scope things out, it is available online, so check that out. And also available online, you can find the show and find our social media. We're on Twitter, at TripMorning, Instagram, at MorningRoundTrip. We're on Spotify, Anchor FM, Pocket Radio Public, and Breaker. If you can want to listen on any other platform, that's where you can find us. And we'll be right back here Monday morning with another episode. For Drew Frank and Liam Crothers, have a great day, everyone.